welcome to the Super High Yield Anesthesia Podcast, where we will discuss high yield concepts for students on their anesthesia rotation. I am your host, Scott, the fourth year medical student. Hey guys, welcome back to the OB Anesthesia Series, and today is part three of five, and today we're going to talk about the different anesthesia considerations for regional and general anesthesia for pregnant patients, and lastly, we're going to go through the steps for labor, neuroaxial analgesia, as well as C-sections. So yeah, hopefully this is not too long of an episode, and uh, with all that said, let's go ahead and get started. So the first topic we're going to talk about is the regional anesthesia and the uh, considerations you have to take into account when you're providing this to your pregnant patients, right? So there are three main categories that we're going to talk about. First being technical considerations, hydration, as well as local anesthetic requirements. So, So first off is the technical considerations. First, during pregnancy, there's going to be increased lumbar lordosis. So it could make it a little bit more difficult to place the needle in the right place. Two, there's going to be reduced sensitivity to the hanging drop technique. And if you recall from the neuroaxial uh, episode, this is basically one of the techniques you can use to figure out if your needle is in the right place. So you insert the needle, and you pretty much put a drop of saline into the hub of the needle. And when you place the the needle into the epidural space, the pressure difference would cause the, the saline drop to be sucked into the needle. And that's because there's lower pressure in the epidural space compared to out in the open. So yeah, there's going to be reduced sensitivity to that technique, which is called the hanging drop technique. And just for completeness, the other technique, other than the hanging drop technique, is the loss of resistance technique. And this is when you use a special syringe that's filled with saline. And as you advance the needle, you kind of push and apply pressure to the plunger. And once you're into the right space, it'll be a lot easier to push the plunger because there's a loss of resistance. And then that's how you know you're in the right place. So those are the two techniques. And lastly, the other technical consideration is that there's going to be an unaltered CSF return. All right, so those are the main technical considerations. Next is hydration. So when you place the the spinal or whatever uh, neuroaxial analgesia you're using, it's going to cause hypotension. Because remember, when you administer this, it causes a blunting of the sympathetic nervous system. And then basically, the patient is going to lose the ability to vasoconstrict and control their blood pressure. And as a result, they're going to be hypotensive. So one of the ways you can try to counteract this is to preload the patient with some fluid. So if bringing back to our discussion about the blood pressure, the mean arterial pressure or MAP is equal to what? Cardiac output times SVR, right? So when you administer the spinal, that's going to cause a decrease in the SVR and that's going to ultimately decrease the MAP, right? So in order to kind of compensate for that, 
you're going to try to basically increase the cardiac output. And remember, cardiac output is the heart rate times the stroke volume. So you're basically increasing the the stroke volume in order to compensate for the drop in SVR. So hopefully that makes sense and you're kind of keep on retrieving the basic formula for blood pressure. And yeah, hopefully it makes sense to you now. And the most common symptom that you'll see as a direct result of the hypotension is nausea and vomiting. So that's why you can, you'll can you see the anesthesiologist automatically prepare their phenylephrine or ephedrine, depending on the vitals, at the beginning of the case because you're expecting the blood pressure to drop. So you have these pressors ready to go to help elevate the blood pressure and to relieve the symptoms of nausea and vomiting. Because remember, the goal is try to give them the most enjoyable experience possible, right? So not only are you trying to control their their physiology, but you're also trying to like make them as comfortable as possible. And I guess going beyond OB patients, when you're giving any sort of neuroaxial ana- anesthesia, for example, you're doing pain management to, for a person that got into a car wreck, you're still going to, to utilize this concept of prehydration. So before you give a spinal or whatever, make sure you load them with some fluid before you do it. Okay, I'm sorry that was a little bit of a tangent, but uh, the last consideration for regional anesthesia is the uh, local anesthetic requirement. Then that's basically the subarachnoid dose is going to be reduced by 20 to 33%. Okay, the next section, we're going to talk about considerations for providing general anesthesia in OB patients. And we're mainly going to talk about the pharmacological considerations. So first subtopic is inhalation anesthetics. And as we discussed before, the MAC, the minimum alveolar concentration, is going to be reduced by 20 to 40%. And as a result, the rate of uh, induction is going to be increased. For induction agents, the effective dose is of thiopental. It's going to be reduced by 35%. The elimination half-life of thiopental is also prolonged. And lastly, the elimination half-life of propofol, uh, fortunately, is not going to be altered. So you can use propofol as usual. Okay, so that's the induction agents. Next is meperidine, which is the opioid. And the good thing about this, the elimination half-life of this is going to be unaltered as well. Next uh, drug is succinylcholine. And for succinylcholine, the duration of the block is uh, unaltered, and the sensitivity of succinylcholine is going to be reduced. So next is the non-depolarizing muscle relaxants. And the ED50 of vecuronium is going to be reduced. The elimination half-life of vecuronium and pancuronium is shortened, but the duration of the blockade for atricurium is going to be unaltered. All right, so a few more. So regarding chronotropic agents, you're going to expect the response to be diminished. For pressors, the response to that is going to be variable. And the last 
non-pharmacological consideration for general anesthesia is the way you intubate. So for pregnant patients, since they have an increased risk of aspiration, you're going to do rapid sequence intubation to prevent or to at least reduce the risk of aspiration. Okay, so this next half of this episode, we're going to use our imaginations, okay? So we're going to walk you through the different steps that you would go through for labor, neuroaxial analgesia, as well as C-sections. So not every case is going to be exactly the same, but at least by talking to you about this, you have an idea of what to expect. Okay, so first thing we're going to talk about is labored neuroaxial analgesia steps. You're going to, as with all cases, you're going to be, you're going to be starting the case by performing a pre-op evaluation, see if they had any issues with previous pregnancies regarding their anesthesia delivery, because sometimes they'll tell you that the other anesthesiologist had issues placing the needle. So that kind of gives you an idea of what to expect and for this pregnancy. So after you do the, the pre-op evaluation, you're going to give them antacid prophylaxis. Particularly, you're going to give non-particulate antacids. And non-particulate antacid means that it kind of breaks up and it reduces the risk of severe pulmonary complications if it's aspirated. So an example of non-particulate antacids is sodium citrate. And after you do that, you're going to wash your hands, use your aseptic technique, and you're going to place the blood pressure as well as post-ox for monitoring. And when you're doing the neuroaxial procedures, you're going to measure the blood pressure about every two to three minutes during the procedure. So once you have all the monitors on, you're going to position the patient and depending on the situation, you're going to either have them sitting or in the lateral position. And if you're doing a spinal, you're going to do that procedure and, and administer the intrathecal medication. And intrathecal is um, medications that go into the spinal column. If you're just doing an epidural, you're going to place that epidural catheter and you're going to administer a test dose to see if the catheter is working and whether you place the catheter into a blood vessel. And that's what you do not want to do. So if you administer the test dose and you see like a physiologic response, like they suddenly become hypotensive, then you kind of want to back off and replace the, or reposition the catheter. All right, so once you give the, the test dose, you're going to start the epidural infusion. And after the injection and whatnot, you're going to still monitor the blood pressure, but it can be a little bit less frequent. And generally speaking, you can do you know 12 to 15 minutes uh, after the injection to measure the blood pressure. And if the patient becomes hypotensive, you could use uh, your basic presser. So either ephedrine or phenylephrine based on the patient's vitals. After that, you're basically just going to follow up until the patient delivers the baby. So you're going to monitor maternal vital signs. You're going to monitor the mortar blockades. And the level of analgesia, approximately every two to three hours. 
And if the analgesia is inadequate, you can administer a bolus of uh, epidural. And hopefully, after all that, baby is born, everyone's happy, then you can pat yourself on the back for a job well done. Okay, the last section, we're going to give you the steps uh, for C-sections. So, as with the previous procedure, you're going to start off by doing the pre-op evaluation. Then you're going to give the antacid prophylaxis. And for this one, you can give lots of different types of uh, antacid prophylaxis. So either you can give an H2 receptor antagonist or a PPI, um, and that's a proton pump inhibitor. You can give uh, metoclopramide, or you can uh, give a non-particulate antacid. After that's done, you're going to prehydrate the patient because remember you want to keep their volume up in case their their blood pressure drops due to the the spinal, right? So generally speaking, you want to give 10 to 15 uh, cc's per kilogram of crystalloid fluid, zero to 15 minutes before giving the regional blockade. After you hydrate the patient, you're going to do the standard ASA monitors. You want to wash your hands, and using a septic technique, you're going to either place the spinal or epidural. And if you're using the epidural catheter, you're going to work with the dosing. And things to keep in mind is that 3% chloroprocaine has faster onset than 2% lidocaine. So that would be a good choice for um, emergency C-sections. And after that, you can place the patient in the left uterine displacement position. And you can either just use a wedge or a towel, like whatever you have on hand. From there, you're going to determine the patient's sensory level and document that. And if the situation calls for prophylactic antibiotics, we're going to administer that. And once the umbilical cord is clamped, you're going to administer the oxytocin to help of any uh, uterine bleeding. So that's going to be 10 to 20 units of oxytocin in 500 cc's of LR. Okay, and that wraps up this episode, part three of OB anesthesia, in which we talked about the anesthesia considerations for uh, regional and general anesthesia for labor and delivery, as well as going over the steps for labor, neuraxial analgesia, as well as C-sections. And the fun fact for you today is that in the United States, there's one spot called Four Corners in which you can stand in all four states uh, at once. And those four states include Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico. All right, thanks for joining me on this episode. Uh, This is Scott, the fourth year medical student, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. 